You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050, brought to you by FanDuel. Better all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Join me now, and it's been a little while. Last time I actually chatted with him, we were doing the Raptors-Memphis Grizzlies game. It is Raptors reporter Josh Lewenberg. Josh, thanks so much for joining the show today. was Raptors-Grizzlies. I remember that well. I think they do as well. Yes, yeah, they do. We won't... Uh, well, we won't relitigate uh, that corpse of a game. Um, and I want to praise you, Josh. Your last couple of calls at TSN.ca were fantastic. They made me think, and I'm like, I want to get them on the show. And before we get into trades or, you know, what's happening tonight or the team's got to figure their bleep out, I want to go back to Fred Van Vliet. And what are we getting wrong about Fred Van Vliet? And by this I mean his bad shooting, his shooting percentage, which is down. It's taken the biggest hit of any Raptor regular. How much of that is a result of the rest of the team failing him and putting so much more of a burdensome of work on him? Well, I just think, and this is sort of the basis of my argument in the in the column as well, is you, you have to take a nuanced look at it. Yes, we can look at the season as a whole and say this has been a disappointing one for Van Vliet. Maybe it wouldn't have been a couple of years ago, right? Like, I, this isn't a bad season for him, but obviously it's a significant enough step backwards from where he was as an all-star last year. We can look at it specifically and say his defense has fallen off. The shooting, obviously, it's been an issue. But I think instead of just saying Fred VanVleet hasn't shot the ball well or Fred VanVleet hasn't been as good defensively as we're used to seeing, let's ask why, right? And I, I don't think you can say that this is entirely the reason, but I think at least part of the reason has to do with his usage and his workload. And going into the season, that was a big thing for the Raptors. They talked about their plan or at least their hope of lightening his workload. And it was going pretty well for the first few weeks. Like, his minutes were down, and I know they really made a concerted effort to get him some rest during the preseason. They didn't push him too far in training camp, sort of easing his way in a little bit. But then for various circumstances, that's obviously changed quite a bit here over the last couple months. He's now fourth in the league in minutes played behind James Harden and two of his teammates. He's averaging 38 minutes a game since the beginning of December, which is exactly the same as it was last year. And then specifically here over the last couple weeks, I mean, in the overtime game, he plays 47 minutes, then he plays 41 minutes. And remember, he's still just recovering from this back injury that he missed time with. So what happens when you're playing tired and hurt? Your, your shot is probably one of the first things to, to go, and, and the defense is going to be affected by it as well. So I, I think if you look at it, that makes a lot of sense to me, even if we're just looking at these last couple games. Van Vliet played 35 minutes against Portland the other night. That's the fewest minutes he's played in, like, almost a month. And you could see the difference in the fourth quarter. He had the fresh legs. He hit a couple big shots, which we're not used to seeing. He's missed a lot of those this year. Whereas in those couple games I just mentioned where he played a ton of minutes, the overtime game, he was excellent through the first three quarters, and then he ran out of gas towards the end of the game. So I think there's a lot to this in terms of what the solution is, and that, that's where I, I agree. Like, th there is no easy answer here, and I almost feel for Nick Nurse and for the organization. I mean, a lot of this has to go on the front office in terms of not bringing in a reliable backup for him. They didn't address that at all over the summer. They made one 
major or at least significant signing, Otto Porter Jr., and we'll get to that in a second. He's now out for the season after having surgery on his foot. So there, there are no answers behind Van Leet. And if you're Nick Nurse, like, who do you turn to here? The bench is underperforming. They haven't played well with the exception of the Portland game when Fred's been on the bench. And now, on top of all of that, you're chasing wins and trying to save your season, which is exactly the position they were in last year when Van Vliet admits that he pushed himself too far. So it's a double-edged sword. I don't know what you do if you're a nurse. I, I, I mean, with Fred as well. Like, he's a competitor. He wants to win. He's also now playing for a contract. So he wants to be out there for as many minutes as possible. But there's obviously a point of diminishing returns where if he's overextended, he's not at his best which is not good for him, and it's not good for no. the team. So they've got to find an answer here. I don't know what it is. And to me, the answer is, what can they do so they're not so bad when Van Vliet is off the court? We can yeah. talk about Van Vliet's shooting, and he has missed a lot of open shots. But I think the bigger picture issue is, how do the Raptors find a way to at least tread water on those rare moments when Van Vliet is sitting on the bench? And the easy answer there, I think, is you got to stagger Siakam and Van Vliet. And I know that the Raptors didn't do that, that Nurse didn't do it, do it during the bench's best stretch in a while. That second quarter run against Portland the other day where I thought, I'll be honest, I thought they were toast the second I see them start the, the second quarter with Gary Trent Jr. and four reserves on the floor. It worked. I'm not sure how sustainable that is as well as Trent is playing. I just think... You're, you're lacking a few things on this team, as we've talked about at length over the last few months. You're obviously lacking shooting, sure, and that's where I think it probably also helps to have Trent on the floor when Van Vliet is not out there just because you don't have a lot of shooting. But you also can have a ton of playmakers on this team. So you need Siakam out there when Van Vliet's not on the floor. That's the first thing. But outside of that, like, yeah, you, you need more from these guys. You need more from those second-unit players. I thought it was encouraging the other night to see – Precious Achua, for the first time since coming back from the injury, looked more like himself. He's getting his conditioning back. I think that'll help a great deal. Hopefully he helps uh, kind of get Boucher back to playing the way that he did in the second half of last season. They need more consistency from the guards, and I think that's been a big issue because, like, who's this team's backup point guard? Who's the backup of Van Vliet? Malachi Flynn right now, but he's been up and down this year, and there's a reason why he's been in and out of Nick Nurse's circle of trust over the last three years. Delano Banton has been with the G League. And Scotty Barnes, like, they've used him as a point guard here and there this year to mix results, but he's mostly been playing center now that the Raptors are going small. So, I mean, that's the problem, really, is, like, you don't have a backup point guard. You need guards to win in this league. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And the problem is is that when they traded Kyle Lowry, they knew they had Fred Van Vliet. What they haven't found for Fred Van Vliet is a Fred Van Vliet to back up Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> we are joined Lowry, by... Like, this was an issue with Lowry for so many years as well, but at least they made yeah. more of an attempt to manage his minutes. They went out and signed Corey Joseph. They did different yeah. things here and there to try and lessen the workload on Lowry. And again, like, mixed results there, too, because they needed him on the floor, but... I mean, you can't look at this and say, well, they've done everything they can do because, I mean, they haven't. And that's sort of what I meant by failing Fred VanVleet, not to say that he hasn't also played a part in why the Raptors have underperformed this year as well. No, no, I know. It's a good piece. I recommend everyone read it. Um, And whatever ire, sports ire, sports anger, different than real anger, that I had at Fred VanVleet, it went down by 17% after reading your article. (laughs) So, Josh... Yeah, Josh, if the Raptors had the the same record 
of the mighty Indiana Pacers. If the Raptors were 23 and 18 and were six in the East, how differently would we view these back-to-back games against the lonely Charlotte Hornets? Because it kind of feels like the, every loss right now is a referendum on the team, and any loss could push, um, you know, what that will push them to do as we get closer to the trade deadline. And every loss means are they going to be more active at the deadline? How different would we view a Tuesday game against the Hornets if the Raptors were, say, five, six games over 500? Well, in like some ways, and when you say it like that, it almost sounds like an overreaction, right? Like that each loss is, is, could, could mean the end of their season. But I, I mean, I really think they're in that stage of the season here where, and just given their situation, like each game really is, if not a must win, then pretty close to it because time is running out. Like, no, it's not impossible for them to turn things around. And we keep pointing out that it was around this time last year that they did that that very thing after the slow start to the season, but at, at this time last year, whatever wherever we're at now, January what is it, tenth, eleventh, January tenth, it's January tenth today. Yes, the Raptors had won six straight games, and they were already climbing back over five hundred. So there were already signs of that turnaround. They were starting to figure things out defensively. They looked like they were coming together. And we've seen it a little bit here and there. And I will say, like, I'll give them full credit, full march for that win over Portland. They overcame uh, fourth quarter game time and some truly terrible officiating. And it really was one of the most complete wins of the season. Now are they going to build on it? And like I said, they, they have to. We're, we're, today, tonight is the halfway mark of the season. We're less than a month out of the trade deadline. And obviously, from a front office evaluation standpoint, decisions have to be made pretty soon. And I'll tell you, and this is what I wrote yesterday, they don't know what they're going to do. Like, the, the biggest reason why people around the league, teams around the league, are trying to figure out, well, what are the Raptors going to do? How are they going to approach the trade deadline? It's because the Raptors themselves aren't quite sure of it. So, yeah, I, I do think these are big games, and especially a couple games against one of the only five teams in the NBA that are below the Raptors in the standings, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not sure how much fun these two games are going to be to watch. Tuesday, no. Thursday night, Raptors, Hornets. Like, uh, I'm not sure that that's making um, headlines here or going to lead uh, Sports Center every night. But these are big games for the Raptors if, in fact, the hope and the plan is to try and push their way into the play-in tournament and maybe even compete for something better than that if things really start to turn here over the next few weeks. Josh Lohenberg is a lousy hype man, so I'm going to help him out here. Thursday's <laughs> game, uh, Hornets-Raptors, you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. And these games are important, not just to see the stars of the future, Scotty Barnes and Moe Ball, but because the Raptors have gotten off to such a disappointing start, every win or loss feels a little more important because it feels like it has an exponentially greater impact on what they do at the trade deadline, something we wouldn't be talking about if the Raptors were, say, six games, seven games over 500. Then it would just be a Tuesday night game where we would giggle at the at uh, at uh, Lamar Ball's uh, fa- uh, what's the, what's the father's name? I forget who is the father's name. Lamar. Yeah, Lavar Ball. Excuse me. Um, if the Raptors were seven games over far over over 500, we'd be making Lavar Ball jokes right now. Um, you mentioned it. Um, the Otto Porter Jr. era. How best are you going to remember that? Well, it might not be over. He's got a player option for $6.3 million for next season. At this point, I'm not sure that if I'm Otto Porter Jr., I'm declining it. 
mean, $6.3 million in the NBA isn't what it used to be, like just based on his track record and what he can be when he's healthy. And the fact that the last time we saw him really like healthy and on the floor and playing considerably was for the NBA champion Golden State Warriors. I mean, maybe he opts out of that and ends up getting somewhere in that neighborhood next year anyway. But I, I think at this point, the plan is, unless he's traded over the next month, is that he's probably back with the Raptors next year. Uh, and in terms of what we've seen so far, the very little we've seen from him so far, it, it's unfortunate because he's the guy the Raptors really like. Bring him in over the summer. He's a guy that I think most of us really liked as well. Like, it made a lot of sense. Like, no, from a positional standpoint, it wasn't addressing the glaring need of a center or a guard. But in terms of skill set, man, you look at it now, he, he's like a 40% career, just a hair under it, three-point shooter. They could really have used that. But, I mean, from the start, he, he hurts his hamstring in training camp. I think it was day one of training camp, if I'm not mistaken, in Victoria. So, really, he, he hasn't been around all year. The eight games that he played, he was finally just kind of like working his way back into shape and then dislocates his toe, and we haven't seen him since. I know the Raptors were really hoping that he would be back at some point. He was hoping to avoid surgery. The plan was to get him ramped up here this month and hopefully have him back at some point in January. But when it seemed like he wasn't making any progress, this sort of did seem like an inevitability. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's, not, he's not getting his jersey retired here. I think that's safe to say. No, someone brought up Damari Carroll, and uh, I, it, 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 this is just off topic for half a second. Remember when they signed Damari Carroll from Atlanta, and he was going to be the guy to slow down LeBron James? Man, that feels like an eternity ago. <laughs> you could go down the list. I mean, listen, Masai Jerry, Bobby Webster, this Raptors front office, They've done an incredible job drafting talent. Um, their trades have been pretty good, but the one area where they get a failing grade is through free agency because, like, really, it's, it's one failed story after the next and, and not entirely their fault. Like, in some of these cases, okay, like, a guy gets hurt, can't really control that. In this case, you can't be entirely shocked just because Otto Porter Jr., obviously a big risk at the time. He's got a history of injuries, and yet. Yeah, Theoretically, it made a lot of sense. Theoretically, he's a guy that could really help this team, but you're playing the game not on paper, obviously. So, yeah, at some point, you need to hit on these. You're not going to hit on all of them. This is like a mid-level exception signing. There's been a lot of, like, Juancho Hernan Gomez was signed for a minimum contract. You're not going to hit on a lot of those, but you do need to hit on some of them. And the fact that the Raptors have struck out on so many of these signings over the years, well, that's why they don't have a whole lot of depth right now. That's a big part of the problem. Josh, always appreciate checking his work at tsn.ca. I'm now on Twitter. I'm seeing a video on you on TSN Sports asking, are the Raptors going to be sellers at the deadline? Uh, win or lose, the Raptors are going to be a very fascinating team. Unlike the Charlotte Hornets, the greatest player of all time owns them, one of the most boring teams uh, of the last 20 years. Thank you, Josh, for joining the show today. All right, cause talk to you, man. Absolutely. That was Josh Lewenberg, TSN Raptors reporter. On the other side, we're going to do the report cause where we, um, I end the season, my NFL prognostications, we end the season on a high, and I finished over 500 with my picks. It's all happening. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we'll get into that other nonsense in just a moment. I'm Matt Goss. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. The news, Otto Porter Jr. is out for the Raptors for the season, having surgery on his foot. The Blue Jays have signed first baseman from the Giants, Brandon Belt, one-year deal for $9.3 million. He'll be insurance for Vlad, DH, left-handed bat, and at least enter in a world of easier ballparks to hit than his old environment of the National League West. And on this date, many, many, many years ago, Wayne Gretzky set the record for the most career points in the NHL, getting four assists against his old team, Edmonton. And again, the crazy part is he sets the league record for all-time points and he does it at the age of 27 just crazy also happy birthday out there to george foreman 74 years old today so um for i i guess this is the last time actually no we'll still i mean producer Harvey, hop on the mic i mean we've no. been doing the we've been doing the report cause to sort of review how I did with my confidence picks. And that's a bear. Like, that takes you, how long does it take to sort of edit it and put it all together in an amusing audio package? Uh, if I'm doing it uh, as an individual exercise, probably about 30 minutes. If I'm trying to work it in with some other stuff, it can take upwards of an hour, a little bit more. Yeah. It kind of depends what else I'm working on. So this is the last of the big ones. Like, I think going forward, we keep the report cause. Like, for instance, you know, tonight I'm saying take Charlotte to cover the spread. You know, they're, they're an eight-point favorite or an eight-point underdog, excuse me, against the Raptors tonight. So I kind uh, I like Charlotte to keep it within eight. I also like bet the over for team points for Charlotte at 110 and a half. And finally, I'm going to take Siakam to get a double-double and a Raptors win at plus 134. I think Toronto wins, but I think they win by less than eight. So, I mean, yeah, we can take that, see how I do tomorrow, and make our, you know, Josh is producing, make a mini report cause. But for the last time, let's hear it. The, the, my, my, my review of how did I do with my NFL confidence picks, let's see how the season ended. Maddie sure was confident heading into the weekend. I am too smart. I am too smart. But now, after a full slate of games, let's see how he did. Jeez, I never seen a guy stand up to that kind of punishment. It's time ah. for the Tuesday Confidence Pool Report Cause. Me fail English? That's impossible. Read it and weep. First game, Tampa at Atlanta. The Falcons are favored by four and a half. This game absolutely stinks. Give me the underdog, Tampa Bay. Kansas City at Vegas. Vegas is favored by nine and a half. I'm taking Vegas. I'm taking the nine and a half. Casey doesn't cover. I am taking the Bengals. They are favored by seven at home against Baltimore. Now, everyone wants to take Jacksonville. They're favored by six points at home against Tennessee. No one except for Titans fans wants Tennessee to win this game. That's why I'm taking the Titans. I'm taking Houston. They're a two and a half point underdog against Indy. 
The Saints, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Carolina. I'm taking New Orleans. The Giants don't know if they have a quarterback. Philly doesn't know if their quarterback's going to be healthy. So because of that, I'm going to take the Giants. The Jets are on the road against Miami. I'm going to take the Dolphins. They're a two-point favorite at home. Speaking of the god-awful Chicago Bears, they're at home. They are a seven-and-a-half-point underdog at home against Minnesota. And I'm going to take Minnesota. How is Denver a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Chargers? i got to check this. I'm already confused. But I am taking the L.A. Chargers. The Rams, they are six-and-a-half-point underdog in Seattle. I am taking the Seahawks. Green Bay's got plenty to play for. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Detroit. They beat Detroit. Washington's going to start their fifth-round draft pick, rookie Sam Howell. Cowboys are rested. They got something to play for. Give me the Cowboys. San Fran is a 14-point favorite. And I will take them at home against Arizona. No one's rooting for Deshaun Watson. Give me the Steelers. Finally, the team that everyone on planet Earth is rooting for, the Buffalo Bills are a touchdown favorite at home against New England. I love Buffalo in this. to me like you didn't put enough oomph on the positive sound effects as you did the negative sound effects, Horvat. Why would I do that? I would never sewer you like that, Maddie. A winning week to end it, including most of my top confidence picks I got right. I think the main one I got wrong was the Cowboys. Wow! Was that a dud against Washington? But uh, overall, feeling, uh, feeling pretty good, and I finished over 500. So the season has been a success. Not as good as last year, but still a success. It was a uh, a tale of two seasons for you. Uh, had you yes. not dug yourself a six-foot hole in the first ten weeks yeah. of the season, uh-huh. you very well could have had the crown. But unfortunately for you, that ends up with a much brighter mind. Who was it again? That'd be you. It was you. <laughs> that, uh, it was you. By the way, did you have to use a six-foot hole, which is what you which is what you dig for a grave? You could have gone five or ten feet. You had to go specifically with a six-foot grave. There is that is that, is that what no, you're doing? I mean, there? you killed your chances. I think it's a pretty apt analogy, if you ask me. So I, I mentioned Dallas, and they were flat in that game against Washington, and. Maybe they knew, like, oh, wait a minute, the Giants aren't playing anyone. The Eagles are going to win, so uh, you know we're locked into that two seed, and there's nothing, uh, there's nothing that can be uh, or number three seed. What is Dallas? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Dallas is playing um, the Monday night game in Tampa, and Dallas is a three point favorite. All eyes are going to be on Prescott. He has eleven interceptions in his last seven games. Now, the team is. Five and two in those seven, but overall, Dak Prescott played in just twelve games this year. But he led the NFL in picks at fifteen. Like there is like uh, like same thing on Mike McCarthy. There is a lot of pressure. There is a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott to get this win in Tampa. I think it's by far the most compelling game on the wild card weekend slate. I mean, so, you know, I've been doing first up for the last three, four weeks, and I've heard AK and Coco going back and forth, doubting or believing in Tom Brady and whether Brady can pull off the upset here. 
AK doesn't believe it. He's seen them all year. He doesn't think that they have what it takes. And then myself and Coco, we know who Tom Brady is, you know, and I really think that there is upset potential here. I, I, I'm not saying it's a lock by any means, but I, I don't know how you can be super confident in the Cowboys based on how they've been playing recently. It just, it, it you got to be hot at the right time a little bit, don't you? You do. Um, let me side with Karolnik here. The NFC South, we all agree, is a pretty horrible division, correct? Oh, awful. Maybe the worst in the NFL. Okay, let's go with that then. Uh, and which of those four teams had the worst scoring differential? The Tampa uh, Bay Buccaneers. I was going to say, based on the way you said it, I'm guessing it was the Buccaneers. <laughs> the Buccaneers had a worse scoring differential than Carolina, the New Orleans, then Atlanta. How do I trust that? How do I trust the 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 Buccaneers had two quality wins. Now one of them was Week One against Dallas. They beat Dallas nineteen to three. The other one a twenty one sixteen win over Seattle in Week Ten. So how am I? You know how am I supposed to take Tampa seriously when they've had one and a half quality wins? And they were outscored by 45 points. Because Tom Brady has seven rings. I am not looking at just this season. I get it. You have to factor it in perhaps a little bit more than the the entire body of work. But when, when it comes down to the clutch moments... Is there anyone you would want more than Tom Brady? I think this guy's proven time and time again that there's no one better in those big moments. Like... I understand. I, and the thing is, you pay me a corner. I like on one level, I can't argue that. On the other, he hasn't been that great this year, and the team has been far worse. Dallas has had a better record. They've got more impressive wins on uh, on the season. But then on the other side is, do you trust Dak Prescott and do you trust Mike McCarthy in a big game? Uh, by the way, I, you, you want to hear this? Uh, I got a four team. Uh, semi. Can a fourteen parlay ever be cowardly? No, no. I think you you you've diversified the risk enough at that point. It can't be cowardly. Yeah. I got the Bills, the Bengals, the Forty ers and the Vikings money line for each of them, and uh, I'm getting plus two o two odds on that. So twenty bucks, which is the maximum I ever bet, is going to get me forty dollars and forty nine cents. I like that. I mean. The only real upset potential I see there is the Giants, but if you if you made me pick right now, I'd, I'm probably going with the Vikings, despite the fact yeah. that they might be kind of fraudulent. They are kind of fraudulent, and they're taking on a fraudulent team as well. On the other side, it is our Tuesday Top 5. It is our Top 5 storylines that we are excited about for this coming weekend. And we will get into that after traffic. And traffic is brought to you by Janpro, Canada's leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Trust the professionals at Janpro. Visit them today at janpro.ca. Time now for traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Embrace the odds. I want winners. King Kong Bundy always looking for that big five count. Five now he count. wants the five. And the referee obliges him. Give me a break, ref. 
By the way, um, producer Chris Horvat, I know obviously yes. you never, I know you you would never have seen it live. It was before your time. Have you ever spent any time uh, doing a YouTube rabbit hole deep dive on the joy of King Kong Bundy? I have not, and uh, that will surprise no one, really, no one. but especially no. especially not you. It is glorious. It is glorious. He would be pinning the biggest jabroni, and then he would just tell the ref, give me five. It's the, it's the height of disrespect. Anyway, welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos. We do it every Tuesday. It's time for the Tuesday Top 5, and today the Top 5. Top five storylines we're excited about for this NFL Wild Card Weekend. And, yes, we will include Monday as well. What do you got at number five? I'm going with the playoff debut matchup. Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, these are two of the brightest young quarterbacks in the NFL. And guess what? They're facing off against each other in their first career playoff games, respectively. I don't know how you can't be excited for this kind of game. And really, I think it's this kind of matchup that really emphasizes how much young talent there is at the quarterback position in the NFL. And uh, I'll be watching this one for sure. Keep an eye on youth that will get brought up again in this. My number five, I'm just curious to see. you got five coaches in their first season as a head coach with their respective teams making the playoffs. Doug Peterson with the Jags, Kevin O'Connell with Minnesota, Brian Dayball with the Giants, Todd Bowles with the Bucks, and Mike McDaniel with the Miami Dolphins. Just curious to see how these new coaches with their, their respective new teams, how they fare this weekend. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. I didn't realize that there was that many first uh, first times there. Wow, that's that's, yep, a, that's yep. a crazy stat. Let's yeah. go. Uh, let's go to number four. The Vikings for me. Uh, they have a chance here to prove that they are not the frauds that everyone says they are, including myself. And I think it's just fascinating to kind of follow what's going to happen with this team. We've had countless guests on the station talking about really just how unprecedented their year is for a team it is. for a team to have the record that they have and have a minus three point differential. It, it, it's unheard of, really. It's almost comical, satirical in a way. So uh, for me, that's got to be number four. We've got to see what happens there. Yeah, after they beat the Packers in week one, pretty much almost every other win by them has been by one score. My number four... Are the Chargers really for real? Everyone loves them because everyone loves Justin Herbert. They are the darling of the analytics community. They are the darling of the Twitter community. Do you trust that head coach? Do you trust a team that has only one win against the team that is over 500? And that's when they beat Miami. I felt like a year ago when they beat them by six points. And also Justin Herbert, his average depth per target, his average yards per pass is around Matt Ryan's. It's crazy Yikes. when you consider Yes, it's crazy when you consider that when you consider his numbers. But I my number four. Are the Chargers really for real? And you know what? Uh, I, I believe if we were to go back and look at the tape, uh, a certain individual on this program yeah. predicted that the Chargers would be in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, that would be me. I, 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 I And I'm, I'm just, both my teams, by the way, Eagles and the Chargers, they're both in the playoffs. So my Super Bowl prediction does still have some legs. Now, but, by the way, by the way, on that first second, you know one reason why a lot of people took the Chargers? Why? Value. If you look right now on FanDuel. 2100. The, 2100 they're 21 to 1 um there's a drop-off after the cowboys at 13 to 1 then comes the first huge drop-off and that's the chargers at 21 to 1 
I mean, I see, I see where there could be value there, but at the same time, man, what a gauntlet he'll have to get through. Like the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, like. Yep. Yikes, that, that's going to be a tough road, but Justin yep. Herbert is certainly talented enough to do it. My number three, we're going to go with Tom Brady. He uh, continues to fight father time, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see if he can overcome this Dallas defense. We talked about it a little bit in the last block. There's reason to be optimistic if you're a Bucks fan, and then there's also reason to be pessimistic, like you mentioned. But but as I kind of rebuttaled, there's nobody I want more in a big playoff spot than Tom Brady, and I just think for the drama alone, I want to see Brady pull off at least one upset here over the Cowboys, uh, just to see uh, Jerry World burn a little bit. Yeah, it is. Uh, anytime you get a little Jerry World burning, everyone enjoys that. My number three, the state of Florida. You've got a morality tale with the Miami Dolphins. Will we see Tua and all those concussions on the field? We have immortality, Tom Brady and Tampa. And then in Jacksonville, we got reality. Is Trevor Lawrence ready to become the next great one in the NFL so mortality, immortality, reality, Miami, Tampa, and Jacksonville all in the playoffs. Interesting that you chose a whole state. I like how you framed that. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting weekend if you're a football fan in uh first Yeah, first time since nineteen ninety seven, all three Florida teams are in the playoffs. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. So my number three was Tom Brady, who is a bit of a crypt keeper right now. I'm going to go to a young up-and-comer for my number two, Brock Purdy. Can this guy lead the 49ers on a deep run and potentially even win a Super Bowl? You know, we talked about the unprecedented nature of the Vikings situation a few minutes ago. Brock Purdy's situation, I think, is kind of similar. Like, it's pretty unprecedented to see a Mr. Irrelevant lead a team like this and suddenly start playing so well. When you look at the 49ers, they have all the makings of a Super Bowl contender and a team that can win it all. Purdy is just the one missing piece or the question that's kind of lingering. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see if a guy who no one even knew about at the start of the year can take them to the promised land. By the way, if the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, be ready for two weeks of Purdy-Brady comparisons. That's going to piss Tom Brady off to no end. Uh, My number two, Lamar Jackson's health. When he plays, like in 2021, they were 8-3 with healthy Lamar. Then he got injured. They missed the playoffs. This year, 8-4 with a healthy Lamar. They went 2-2 down the stretch or 2-3 down the stretch. And uh, we don't know if he's going to play or not. Harbaugh says he's feeling good, but the health of Lamar Jackson is my second favorite storyline. It would be so interesting if he was healthy. Uh, I really hope that he does play because it's, it, it, would, it would make that game between division rivals so much better. I think I speak for all of us when I say that You know, we hope he does play. So that brings us to our my number one, and it is undoubtedly the galvanization of the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, they are they've been a favorite all year long, and you know everything was put into perspective recently with the very unfortunate Demar Hamlin situation. I know yep. we're all very happy to see that he's getting better. You know, who knows if we'll ever see him again? But I feel like the word galvanized is very appropriate here. The Bills are going to be entering with a lot of extra motivation that they 
might not have had previously. And, you know, yep. I, I don't want to trivialize anything. Uh, obviously, what Hamlin went through was a very situa- serious situation, more important than football. But I, I think a lot of the football world would really like to see the Bills go on and win it uh, for him, if not anything else. Oh, absolutely. Everyone now, if you weren't rooting for Buffalo before, as long as you don't have a team in the playoffs, you are now. I, I think all of us were so thrilled on those two kickoff return touchdowns uh, last uh, Sunday against the New England Patriots. My number one. So the national championship game was last night. The quarterback for Georgia, Stetson Bennett. He's 25 years old. We could potentially see four quarterbacks starting this weekend that are younger than Stetson Bennett in Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, and then the maybe comes because Tua Tungabayola. We also have a bunch of other quarterbacks that are one year older than Stetson Bennett. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Daniel Jones is the same age as a guy that just won the national championship for the Georgia Bulldogs. So my number one, my favorite storyline, is all the youth at quarterback for this wild card weekend. And hell, I mean, the old man is Patrick Mahomes at 27 and Dak Prescott at 29. But it is just youth all over the place, with, of course, the exception of Tom Brady. I mean, I don't know how you overlook that, Matt. It it, it really does feel like the biggest angle to the entire playoffs, not necessarily just wild card weekend. You know, we've talked all week about what are the Bears going to do? Are they going to keep Fields? Are they going to draft Bryce Young? What do the Colts do at quarterback? I think it's just so evident and so clear now. If you don't have a young rookie deal stud franchise quarterback, you're going to have a hard time winning. And it's why there is, and I said this when the deal was signed, when Patrick Mahomes signed that like 10-year, 333 million, whatever it is, that contract that he signed, that extension, that is the single greatest contract in sports in North America. The single greatest contract. And you see that Patrick Mahomes is buying stakes of of the Royals, and and I think he just got involved with another Kansas City-based team. And that deal is suddenly, it, we're a year or so away from Patrick Mahomes being the 10th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I remember Great you advantage that. any team has. I remember yeah. you saying that, and honestly, I had a little bit of a hard time swallowing that at the time because, I mean, the deal was for what? Half a billion dollars, wasn't it? Well, I'd have to go back and look at it, but um, look at it now. Look at all the quarterbacks that are making more than Patrick Mahomes and just wait when Lamar Jackson gets more than Patrick Mahomes. It's going to happen, and then there's going to be the next one and the next one and the next one. It's shocking, really. On, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, like When he signed that long-term deal, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to win the MVP again. He's going to win the MVP again this year. He did it without Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs might not win the Super Bowl, but that contract gives them the single greatest advantage. Oh, we could do this on another day. Like what? Like bigger advantage in sports? The Lakers, where they are geographically, or that Mahomes contract? Ah, oh, we got no time. We got to go to break. Sound of the day coming up next. I'm Matthew Cause. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. A reminder, 
Gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. We do this at the end of each and every show. It is time now for Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day, Sound of the Day. Here comes the Sound of the Day. And there's a couple different ones I want to do here. This is from ages ago, and we never used it on yesterday's show. But what is the story again, producer Chris Horvat, about crazy Georgia Bulldog guy? And the only reason I was thinking of playing it here was because the Bulldogs win the national championship beating TCU 65-7 to in the most boring game you can watch unless you're a Georgia fan as the Bulldogs outgain TCU by just over 400 yards. So... I'm pretty sure that the story behind this is a sideline reporter decided to interview a a Georgia fan that was covered in head-to-toe in orange face paint. Uh, I believe this was yeah. a game against Stanford, and uh, this guy was extremely riled up, to put it mildly. And uh, uh, let's have a let's have a listen. This is the dogs. This is Stanford, baby. This is how we do it for the dogs. Go Georgia! Woo! Question for you: Have you ever been as close to a team as that guy is to his team? <laughs> I like to think of myself as a pretty big sports fan, but no, I don't. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever yeah. started doing like death metal growls at the, at the end of it. <laughs> Yes, yes, that guy there was insane, and um, yeah, I, I agree. I've I'm a massive sports fan. I've been I've been in this business since like 1998. I have never been as passionate about anything as that guy is to his college football team. Um, let's go from that. Give me the John Harbaugh clip here. We got an extra minute or so. Uh, John Harbaugh talking about his quarterback. Here's him on Lamar Jackson being in good spirits. Lamar's been in great spirits, and he's been working super hard. He's out there again today. I mean, I don't watch the workouts uh, with the trainers. It's with the trainers, and, and hopefully it's progressing to the point where he can get to practice at some time soon. I mean, that's, that's really what we're all hoping for, for sure. He wants to play. There's no doubt. That's, that's my feeling. And when you think about Sunday and all of Sunday's uh, wild card games you can listen to right here on TSN 1050, the biggest story is going to be availability. One is your classic story of Lamar Jackson, how's his health? You know, just, and, cause, and I say classic because the 201 is different. The 201 has a feeling of a bit of morality on it. If the doctors clear him to play, does Miami still let him play? Does Mike McDaniel put him out there? Or you just go, no. Our left tackle, our right tackle, we might not have either of them out there. We got to think about your long-term health. But this is for a Dolphins team that averages 24 points per game with Tua and 15 without. That is a massive swing. So that's a morality tale. The Lamar Jackson one, the fascinating thing there is he doesn't have a contract. He was betting on himself. He doesn't have an agent. If he's not out there, you got to wonder what happens in the offseason with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So when I look at Sunday, for me, it is really all about, like, you know, we can talk Giants, Minnesota, but for me it's the health of Tua and the health of Lamar. And if I'm betting, Chris, I say we see no Tua and we see we see no Tua, but we see Lamar. 
You know what? Don't worry about it. I know we got to go because coming up, we got overdrive after this show, and that is coming up between now and before that. We got traffic. Have a great night, everyone. We'll catch you tomorrow. You've been listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050.